While many Hollywood creatives have gone on strike, hundreds of Christian fans, writers, teachers, and volunteers teamed in the hotel halls at last week's 11th annual Realm Makers Conference. They heard from keynote speakers like Steve Lobby, Stephen James, and Trisha Goyer about how stories should lead us to a sense of wonder. So we are asking conference newcomers and authors alike, which stories have helped you find wonder and worship of Jesus Christ? Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the live and in-person at Realmmakers podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory. I'm E. Steamer Burnett, the slightly horsey-voiced uh, host of the podcast. I'm also the publisher of Lorehaven and the co-author of The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, but when I'm in costume at Realmmakers, my name is Philip. Yes, speaking of horses, I was the guy dressed as a horse, a very low-budget horse costume. I was portraying the horse that Edmund rides in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Not the book, but the movie. If you'll recall, Edmund says, whoa, horsey. And the horse gives his real name. And this is episode 171. How did Christian creators seek wonder at Realm Makers 2023? Uh, It's a classic interchange beloved by fans the world over. Uh, And yet I did recognize it once Zach prodded me just a little bit. I am uh, interested to say, yes, I knew what that reference was, and a few other people did too, <laughs> but that's kind of the thing at Realm Makers. You know, you get people who are making these niche references and people who feel like they're maybe alone in the stories that they enjoy, uh, particularly as Christian fans of these stories and Christians who are trying to create these stories. Zach, uh, this year's Realm Makers event was, I think, the biggest yet. Uh, ten years down, another ten to go. This was the 11th annual event, and we're back at the familiar haunt of the Sheraton Westport Chalet in St. Louis. To me, that is the Hotel Realm Makers, just because we've been there so many times. And we may be bursting at the seams a little bit, uh, but I think there were probably over 500 people uh, at the book signing that's going on uh, and starting to be taken down now, but uh, lots of people storming in here to see their favorite authors, get some autographs, actually helped to introduce a couple of people uh, to an author whom they were a little nervous to talk to. Like they came in and they were saying, uh, we're looking for books by, I'll just go ahead and say a free plug here, books by Erin Phillips. Uh, We've happened to review one of her titles at Lorehaven, by the way. Uh, And I said, well, why don't you find her and ask her if she's here? And they said, well, that's actually her right over there. And I said, well, why don't you go and talk to her? And they got really, really celebrity shy there, in which case I just decided, ha, ha, ha. You are now at the North Pole in the mall. It's Christmas time. That's Santa Claus. And I am the photographer elf. And I just went up and I made the introduction. And I don't know whether I made them nervous or made their night, but it's loads of fun to connect people in this way. Stephen, I met with Trisha Goyer and spoke with, uh, for a few minutes, and she made a really interesting comment about the homeschool crowd, which we've talked about a lot of this podcast. Homeschoolers like to meet the authors of the books that they enjoy. They don't just like to read the back cover copy or look at the website or go to social media. They like to meet these authors in person. And that was a really special and magical thing about tonight, that all of these authors are here that you as a reader can come talk to. Several of the authors who were here, Zach, were the authors uh, who were celebrating. Turns out uh, they didn't know that they were going to win an award tonight. We'll actually save some of this discussion for our next episode, kind of a sequel to this one. But uh, we have the Realm Awards Banquet on Friday night. You can actually get all the news about that by going to lorehaven.com. Turns out that the book of the year that they announced uh, was a fantasy novel called Kalor from author J.J. Fisher, released uh, last year. 
Lots of great nominations there. It also won in the fantasy category, Kalor by J.J. Fisher. The science fiction winner was Drawn in Ash uh, by John Ott. And the horror, paranormal, and supernatural winner, you'll actually hear him coming up here. That's Infernal Fall by Brian Timothy Mitchell. We were able to get him to sit down, take a break from signing a bunch of books for folks. The debut novel winner was The Wickwire Watch by Jacqueline Hagen. Uh, the best young adult winner was The Wonderland Trials by Sarah Ella. We're hoping to have her on the podcast uh, to talk about her next book coming up in a few months. Then the best uh, middle grade winner was Iggy and Oz, The Living Snot by J.J. <laughs> Johnson. That's like the most middle grade title that was right. ever middle graded. There was also a Reader's Choice Award, A Daughter of the Trolls by McKinsey Catron. And the best uh, audiobook winner was Dream of Kings by Sharon Hink, who's also been on the show. Short audio winner of Bitter Souls by Brian Augustine from the Untold podcast. Best novella through a shattered glass by Sarah Pennington. Best uh, short story winner, uh, I think she's coming up here on the show, is actually uh, Love My Neighbor by Laura Van Arendt Baugh. And the best uh, cover design winner, we'll have a, a cover designer uh, later in here, uh, but uh, didn't win this time, but the best cover was a pretty epic one we've seen because uh, we've had Brian Timothy Mitchell's uh, Infernal Fall in the sponsors before and uh, got a lot of love at the conference this year. Uh, the designer was uh, designed by Damon Freeman slash Demonza. So you can get all that info at lorehaven.com, but we'll spell that out a little bit more in our next episode. It's so much fun to do the costuming. It's, it's fun to celebrate these stories. Uh, and it's fun to see the authors uh, break down in tears and almost inevitably once they get dragged up to the stage to get their award they say I didn't know I was going to win an award tonight and it's just so cool to see that humility that ambition at the same time and uh, I've no doubt we're going to hear that in some of the discussions that uh, Zach's about to undertake yeah uh, Stephen, this is also the second year in a row we have had a Realm Award winner from Australia so Realm Makers is an international uh, consortium you could say so it, that, that's really cool. And yes, it was great to see many of those authors get up and accept their award and really just give praise to their fellow authors, uh, friends, you know, beta readers and editors, but just the, the whole family aspect of it. At Realm Makers, you truly do see that humility. Realm Makers, by the way, was sponsored by Enclave Publishing, which is also the top sponsor of this podcast. Uh, their featured sponsorship this week is an anniversary release of a classic fantasy novel called The Light of Adon by Karen Hancock. Abram has dedicated the last eight years of his life to becoming worthy to touch and tend the sacred flames of Adon, and he expects to be blessed for his devotion and sacrifice. But on the eve of taking the vows that will irrevocably separate him from the life he was born to, as Abram Caladorn, fifth son of the king of Kiriath, he is betrayed by his spiritual mentor and sold into slavery by his brothers. Enclave Publishing presents a special hardcover edition of the Christie Award-winning Light of Adon. This is the first book in the Legends of the Guardian King series by Karen Hancock. It's available now wherever fantastic books are sold, and you can order now online or from your favorite bookseller. It's in hardcover, and it's also available in audiobook form from Oasis Audio. We are going to move into a segment in just a moment where I sit down with several authors that we've been getting to know here at the Realm Makers Conference, but uh, we're going to be asking them, how have you found wonder and how has that led you to a truth? 
And so, Stephen, what have you been thinking about this? That was one of the themes from this conference, but uh, tell us more about wonder and how you've discovered wonder. Well, wonder as an emotion, I think, is one of those things like humility that if you start to look at it, it will jump from your focal point and it'll run off to the corner of your eye and you'll miss it. Uh, It's something I think that has to happen to you in the course of you pursuing something or in this case, someone else. Uh, The way that I view that sense of wonder is it is an emotion that you get sometimes that you should learn to expect, but also not chase. But you get that, uh, like humility, uh, only when you're pursuing the creator of all wonder, the source of all wonder, our creator, Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus also works in the world through natural beauties, uh, like a sunset or you know, some uh, magnificent thing that even a person has made. Uh, a giant building can evoke wonder uh, just as much as the Grand Canyon or the sight of a full moon on a clear night. I think that wonder is also something we can expect from fantastical stories. If we didn't have wonder, I doubt that we would be here. So I get a sense of wonder from coming to Realm Makers, like not so much like I'm looking uh, at an Aurora Borealis or something, but I just see the image of Christ reflected in so many people who have so many dreams, uh, who are often loving stories, quote, for their own sake, end quote, but not even really for their own sake. You know, they are seeing something in a man-made story uh, that is leading them to glorify the ultimate capital A author, Jesus Christ. And so they love stories for that reason, and they want to make more stories of their own uh, for that reason. Uh, I love seeing that all gathered into one place. Uh, It is inspiring to see people who have often dedicated years and sometimes decades to the craft of making fiction, and then just being able to recognize these folks and celebrate their stories uh, from the platform, even as we also celebrate other stories, like some by Christians and some by non-Christians, but all of them, I think, uh, for the discerning heart, uh, we can use and enjoy to give glory to Him. I'm glad you mentioned uh, God's creation. That was kind of the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, there's a photo um, I'm, I'm showing to you, but I'll, uh, we can put this in the show notes. And it's uh, this really interesting, creepy image of these uh, kind of bare trees growing out of this blue soil in front of this orange sky filled with stars. Well, that's not actually what it is, but it's not a painting either. It, it looks like an alien planet, uh, but it is a scene from the desert of southwest Africa in uh, uh, Namibia. It's a photograph taken by Franz Lanting, a National Geographic photographer from about five years ago. Uh, my friend uh, Jason Crouch actually shared this recently, and, and his caption was, This is not a painting. And uh, th- this has gone viral now for a few years, so you may have seen this, this photograph. But the title of the photograph is Ghost Trees. And it's this really interesting effect where this photographer stood between these two giant sand dunes. And uh, between the sand dunes was this kind of clay ground. That wasn't blue. And the sand dunes weren't exactly orange. What he did was he waited for the sun to go right over the dune and go all the way to the bottom of the dune. And then he took the photo before it could hit the ground. And so because of the way the the light kind of filtered through there, uh, the... The background, you know, the sky looks orange and the ground looks blue. It's just the most fascinating photo. And, you know, he was adamant, this is not photoshopped. This is the actual color that I saw through my lens. And it looks like you're looking at an alien planet. Well, that's our planet. (laughs) And sometimes our own planet is that fantastical and wonderful. So when when we think about creation, you know, when we think about creativity, 
we first have to think about how creative God is, not just in this you know, desert scene, but the way that God arranges light and the way that he helps us figure out optics and things like that. But yes, human creativity, obviously on full display here at Realmakers. So many amazing stories I got to hear about. Uh, so many amazing books that won the awards uh, this weekend. And, you know, Stephen, just a recent story I've been thinking about is That Hideous Strength, where it's toward the end of the book, uh, chapter 15, chapter 17, The Descent of the Gods, I think is the uh, chapter title. It's where the, the supernatural beings in charge of the solar system come to Earth and to kind of set things right and to uh, to kind of reunite a estranged couple, not to give away spoilers, but that entire scene, the way that Lewis describes that, just this otherworldly presence of these, you know, basically angels, but described in such a way, it's like, is this an alien visitor? It's so strange. It's so foreign. It's like these ghost trees. It's something you, you just totally wouldn't expect. And I, and I think that's kind of how I describe wonder. It's, it's something you can't even fathom. Like you don't have a category to put it in. You, you think it's just, you know, with, like with this photo, you think it's something fake. You think it's AI generated. The way that Lewis describes those supernatural beings at the end of the book, you're thinking, are, are they just asleep? Is this a dream they're having? Like, this is just too amazing to be real. And of course, it's a story. But that's the kind of wonder that I, I love to feel in stories. And so it's going to be great to talk to some authors in a minute about how they've experienced that. Well, Steve Lobby, who's been on the show before as a part of our Steve saga, uh, he kicked off the event on Thursday by saying, let me tell you a story. And then he said, have I got your attention? And then he talked about wonder. And then by seeming coincidence, uh, Stephen James, who's also been on the podcast because he's sort of an honorary fourth Steve, uh, he also talked about wonder, but with a bit of a different angle on that the next day. So again, two seeming coincidences that they both had the same idea, which makes me think something is going on. So that's the topic of our show today. Uh, Zach, I'm ready for those conversations that you're about to have, uh, starting with our friend and Lorehaven staff creator, Marion Jacobs, because I think we all felt a little bit of a sense of wonder with some amazing news that we knew was going on behind the scenes, but that as of last week, we were finally able to start telling our friends all about. So now she's going to get to tell you, I've no doubt. So let's sit back and listen to that conversation. Well, I am joined now by staff writer for lorehaven.com, Marion Jacobs. And uh, you're our first guest today, so welcome, Marion. Thank you. It's been great to enjoy another Realm Makers here in St. Louis. And we are talking this weekend all about wonder. So what have been some things in God's creation or human creations that have led you to a sense of wonder? Such a great question. Lately, I think I've just been spending a lot of time contemplating, I think, just God's work and the way he's just su surprises me by answering prayer, I think, and I hope that's not too far off the mark to say how he has, you know, brought me through some pretty deep valleys lately, and then you get, you know, you get to the end of it, and it's, and he just has blessings upon blessings to heap upon your head, and one of those things um, has been... Um, after, I would say, like a particularly difficult season, um, personally, um, and with my family, uh, I ended up having a book contract with B&H, um, um, which is an imprint of Lifeway. I'm going to be going to be writing 
a book on biblical discernment guide for fictional magic. So it'll it'll be like a type of theology of magic um, aimed at um, the church, you know, parents, readers, writers, maybe even gamers. Very heavy on um, theology and trying to be as true to scripture as possible. And um, just wanting to really, yeah, honor honor the Lord and everything. So I think that's really just been so, so huge. Um, just been, yeah, it honestly, I know that sounds strange to say that's that's what I've been like in awe of lately or that's what's inspired wonder but really after a very long season to come to have God be like I have this for you to do is just like me really you want me to write this it is awe-inspiring yeah so well I love that your story is about the work of God's timing yeah yeah we usually when we think of his creation we think of Things that are uh, spatial, that that, right. that take that are composed of matter. Right. But God created space-time. Yeah. So He knew the exact moment that this contract would happen for you, mm-hmm. and He knew everything that was leading up to it, and so He arranged that mm-hmm. in this perfect timing. Um, mm-hmm. I love in Psalm one thirty nine how it says, "All the days um, written about me are in your book, and and you know all of them before one of them comes to be." Yeah. I, I'm paraphrasing. But just the idea that our book, our lives are a book mm-hmm. and that God has written before we were born and he knows every page of that book. And so he knew all the pages of your life. And so yeah. that's that's his creation. Yeah. And his creation is the time that all this unfolds. Yeah. And I think honestly, frequently, of course, I'm, I'm always in awe um, of God's creation, you know, every day. But honestly, that, that that's probably a pattern almost in my thinking to be just struck by God's timing, um, just struck by his sovereignty um, and how these, you know, you have these like very low, low moments um, that are juxtaposed against another moment that is, seems to parallel it, but is yet so wonderful, so full of blessing that you realize, oh, that's why that happened. And it's, he's, he, yeah, the timing and his, his plan is, fills me with wonder absolutely over and over again. So that's awesome. Yeah. So from that sense of wonder, what is a truth that he has led you to? I hope this doesn't sound too cliche, but again and again, trust, trust in the Lord, trust in him above, above others. Like I am not putting my trust in other people. I am putting my trust in the Lord. I hope that other people, even as I write this book, I hope that they are not putting their trust in me to be able to accomplish this task, which feels quite really big to me and really too big for me. But I hope that they're putting their trust in the Lord. And I think even in each of these situations that I'm referring to, um, I'm realizing that like those seasons of waiting, those seasons of hardship, each, each and every single one of those just like bolsters my faith, bolsters my trust in him. And um, there was a time back while I w- my husband and I were dating where we kind of talked about how we had kind of grown this idea of like put your trust in God as kind of like this cliche like what does that even mean but then we got married um, and we went through hardship after hardship Uh, actually even before we got married there was this horrific car accident in which he almost died 
Um, he'd been in the hospital like multiple times as we like in the early years of our marriage, and it was just like it. it God like puts you through these these things, and and um, and you realize this is this is nothing about this is cliche. This is just the nuts and bolts of of the Christian life. Is you must walk in faith and trust Him that He is going to provide, even when it feels like your life is hell. You can only really trust God in the valley and in the waiting. Mm-hmm. When you're not in the valley, when you're on a mountaintop experience, or just in a normal, average, <laughs> everyday <laughs> life, you're not really having to trust God. Right. You know, th- there's no need to trust Him about anything because you can just trust yourself and kind of get through life on your own. It's when you're having to wait. Yeah. And it's when you're in pain. Yeah. That, that's really where your trust is put to the test. Right. It's where you find out if you really do trust him, mm-hmm. if you really do trust his timing. But that's so true, Marion, that mm-hmm. we can't put our trust in other people because everyone else is just as limited as we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. As, as much as we have our heroes and our superheroes, they're not superpowered. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one can see beyond time the way that God can. Yeah. So, of course, he's the only one we should trust. It's easier said than done. Because really what it means to, to trust him in those, those valleys or in those waiting periods is to acknowledge that someone else knows something you don't. Mm-hmm. But that really does give a sense of wonder, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's true. It's true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he's the God that, like I said, we're not putting our trust in others. We're putting our trust in him. In him. And I, I, I've been challenged recently, too, to make sure that I... Um, I'm not underestimating people around me. I'm not ta- thinking of others in a way that says like they are incapable, incapable of something, um, because I believe that God can use someone from any background to do amazing things. So yeah, just continuously being in awe of what He can do with me and what He can do with you know with people around me. So yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all that, and congratulations on the book contract. Thank you. I think it's going to be a wonderful resource for our listeners when it comes out. Yes, we'll keep, we'll keep so everyone excited. posted. Thanks, thanks, Zach. Thanks. All right, now we're going to talk to Rochelle Nelson, who I just met here at Realm Makers. She's the author of Sky of Seven Colors, a debut novel coming out on August eighth from Enclave Publishing. Rochelle, what are some things that make you feel a sense of wonder? Oh, so many things. Um, I feel like people are going to think that I'm going to talk about color um, <laughs> because my book is about a colorless world um, that kind of uh, runs into our world that does have color and the wonder that that instills. But I actually would rather talk about language. And so, okay. um, yeah, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about Stargate yeah. and how we're both fans, except you like the grittier, darker yes. stuff. And I like <laughs> the light, fluffy, cheesy stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I always loved in the movie how uh, it really explores language and um, kind of how languages might develop um, from the ancient times on like another planet and it was very realistic. And then the series came out and they just decided without any explanation that every single um, humanoid in the whole galaxy would speak English without um, any reason for it. But I love studying languages. I'm not super fluent in anything. I speak a little bit of Spanish. Um, But I really believe that language is culture and language is a miracle from God. So think about, like, the fact 
that we have these images in our head. We have these thoughts in our head. And then we are able to use symbols because it's all words are, right? They're a symbol for a thought or a concept or a reality. And we're able to make a sound symbol. And then the other person that you are talking to is able to pretty clearly picture when you're communicating well exactly what is in your brain. It's like telepathy if you think about it. It's insane. And I've even heard some linguists say that it is one of the best apologetics for the existence of God because we really don't understand evolutionarily how humans developed language. Like it's so complex, it shouldn't even exist. Yeah. You know, I don't get into the young earth, old earth creation debate a whole lot. I kind of sit the fence on some things, but the Tower of Babel really does seem like the most logical and scientific explanation (laughs) for the existence of whatever 6,000 languages that we have now. Because you think about how in the world did that many people agree for that long with no apparent origin of that agreement on, on how a language should work. Right. Right. And how the vocabulary, the grammar, and, and just the, the cadence and the style, and then, of course, the written side of the language. How did any of that develop? And uh, I would love it if we had some archaeologists or, or linguistics historians or whatever it is in our audience that would tell us about that. But you're right. Just learning that sense of language is a sense of wonder. My very first time to travel to another country was uh, a little over 20 years ago. I went to China. And I remember just walking down the street looking at all the signs for all the shops and in this totally foreign language that I had no clue how to speak or read or understand. And I'm like, everyone around me understands this. It's so crazy. I'm, I'm the only one that doesn't understand this. Yeah. It's normal to them. And for some reason that just blew me away. Like, how, how do they understand? Oh, they've always known this. Learning that language was also very magical because... There are these Chinese characters that have very close tie-ins to biblical stories. Yep. My favorite one is the character for the word righteousness. It's two parts. The top part is the character for lamb, and the bottom part is the character for me. So a lamb covers me, and that means righteousness. Wow. Yeah. That was the very first Chinese word I learned. And I would show that to people because they'd say, well, why should I believe in the Bible. It's a Western thing. Why should I believe in Jesus? He's American. Well, no, he's not American. <laughs> he's born in Israel. He's, uh, he's Middle Eastern. But why should I believe in this, you know, non-Asian religion? Well, maybe it's not as far away as you think. <laughs> maybe God has put this little Easter egg in your language so that you would think about it. And you know, I don't know why that is there. You tell me why that character is there. Totally. And just, you know, there's plenty of little Easter eggs like that in their language. But even aside from that, just the, the meaning of each character. I mean, there's, I think you have to learn something like a thousand Chinese characters because it's not phonetic. It's mm. pictorial. You have to learn like a thousand of them to read the newspaper. I think there's 5,000 of them. I, I forget how many. And I'm like, how do people learn this? Yeah. But more than that, how do we have brains where people can learn that? And not just as a first language, but as a second or a third language. Like, isn't that amazing how God created us to learn that? Yes. And yet there's something that will always be special about the language of your heart, the first one that you learned. And this is how good God is. 
is that at Pentecost, he gave them the gift to speak in tongues so that each person would hear the gospel in their own language. I just think that's one of the most beautiful miracles. Um, And so I guess that story really inspired um, in my book, um, The Gray Earth, that uh, it's a portal fantasy. So our main character travels to the gray earth. And it's kind of a a bit of a utopia, not for her, but maybe for the people who live there um, with a dark undercurrent going on, kind of some secret things that are happening um, that people don't know about. Um, But because things are set up um, in a way that's supposed to bring peace and unity, Um, the giver of gifts in this world gave them this beautiful gift of language. So each person um, hears other people talking in their own heart language. And so it was really fun writing it um, because our character, who's a human, goes there. And so she's hearing things in her heart language. Like, for instance, there's a city, and it's named after the concept of a North Star. That's the meaning of it. Now, who knows what other people hear when they hear that, but because that's the concept, she hears the name Polaris because that is the word for North Star in American English. And there's various things like that, but then she runs into things that she has no concept for, right? Like there's strange beasts in that world, and there are foods that she doesn't recognize that she wouldn't have any word for. And so I got to make up really fun words from ancient dialects from the two different races. Um, And they each have like a unique sound and a unique etymology that's recognizable, I hope. And so that was really fun to get to create. But I really believe that language carries culture. So for instance, like I speak a little bit of Spanish. And in English, when we say how old we are, we say I am this many years old. Um, M as in identity. When Spanish speakers say how old they are, they say I have this many years as if it's a possession or a treasure. And so in um, our American Western culture, we are very focused on personal identity. Um, But in Latin culture, they are very focused on um, community and family, and they really honor their elders in a way that we don't necessarily understand in our culture. So to say, I have this many years as if it's an honor. Like, I've collected them up, and it's a good thing, whereas we don't necessarily look at aging as a good thing. And so to speak in somebody else's language is to take on a little bit of their identity and to give up a little bit of your identity. And so you see that played out in my story, and that is why I love um, that God extends himself to speak to us in each one of our languages. And he does that to this day. I love um, the ministries that I just believe the Holy Spirit has inspired that translate the Bible into hundreds. I don't even know how many languages. Um, and the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, it speaks to us each in our heart language. So it's not you like you have to learn Aramaic. I mean, I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. So <laughs> I'm grateful that the Lord speaks to me in English and um, I can understand it in a way um, that he created me. So it's amazing. Yeah. Um, my wife grew up in uh, Oahu, Hawaii. Oh, and wow. um, there's kind of, well, there is a Hawaiian language. Um, it's been around for a long, long time, but then there's also a pigeon. So it's yes. sort of like a Creole. Yes, mixture. I've heard this. Mm-hmm. And there is a pigeon Bible, <laughs> and it, it's just—it's a wonderful thing, and it, it, it's—it's it's really funny, and it's—it's it's very endearing. But it's just—it really is a language. I, I, I wish I could quote it from memory, but um, I encourage our listeners to check it out. It's a really—it's a really fun language. Back to this idea of your world and your story. Of the sky of seven or sky of seven colors, a world of gray scale and color coming in this world. Uh, We talked earlier 
Uh, it reminded me of that movie Pleasantville. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I haven't seen that in a long time, but can you remind me what, what exactly happens in that movie? You know what? I haven't seen it since I was probably like grade school, okay, which I don't yeah. even know if it was appropriate <laughs> for me to watch when I was in grade school. So it's hard to remember, but I think um, it's like, yeah, it's like this black and white um kind of 1950s utopia but the grayness kind of represents in that movie and this is not similar to my book at all um just like a lack of emotion like people are just following the status quo they're following the storyline that's already written for them and this guy from our world travels into their world and starts shaking things up and when they start to get a sense of autonomy and personal identity outside of the script they um, become colorful. And maybe that subconsciously influenced me. I tend to think I was maybe a little influenced by The Giver, um, which also has that aspect where they don't see color when they're under those certain medications that keep them from feeling the depths of their emotions. Um, And then also I love um, The Wizard of Oz. And so that's one too, where Kansas is black and white. Um, But mine's a little bit different. I love I love magical creatures, and I love um, like stories where magical creatures come to our Earth, and they're just like so different, and they're prized and amazing. And I thought, well, what if the human was the magical creature that was magical somewhere else? And I thought, what would be like intrinsically just amazing about our world that we take for granted every single day? And so it's color. And so they're fine without color. They're not lacking anything, um, but they do have an interesting magic system. And color is kind of um, like hacks their magic system and interacts with it in ways that create new powers. And so it's an extremely coveted artifact for them. Like even like a little scrap of fabric that has color on it that came from our earth would be like priceless. And so then here comes this human that has red blood running in their veins um, and political intrigue and royal intrigue ensues and she gets wrapped up in it. Well, and imagine if you have freckles, you know, then you've got all kinds of uh, color all over your face, so that, that's interesting. Now it's um, it, it's interesting. Sky of seven colors. I, I joke with my kids a lot. Like I only see seven colors. <laughs> you know, a, a shirt is blue or green or red, oh. and I'll you know I'll, I'll put on a, a blue shirt with uh, blue sh- uh, shorts, and I'm like, hey, it's, it's all blue, and they're like, no, that's uh, that's teal and that's turquoise, and that doesn't really work, or. That's a red and that's maroon. Those don't go together. I'm like, it's, it's just red. You would get along great with the gray people because yeah. they're fascinated by color. And I have one character and he's like a real nerdy kind of scientist. He wants to write a book about um, the colorful earth. and But he just can't, he can't get the color concepts quite down. It's not very precise for him. So red is brown and brown is red. Like everything uh, in that spectrum is just red. Orange is red. Everything's red. Um, they just don't understand. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the kids that had the crayons with the... Uh, the 250 crayon packs, you know, the, the kids that love every different little color. Um, yeah, so I, you know, if I was a bomb technician and they're like, you know, cut the emerald wire, I'm like, I, is that the green one or the green one? You know? I, I sent out a quiz to my um, my subscribers um, on my email list that has a, a test like that oh. where it asks you all the weird names of colors where it's like is this lapis or lavender and oh, it's wow. really hard I only scored a 65% and I was like let me know if you get a higher score and almost everybody emailed back and they got a higher score so apparently <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about with colors <laughs> well I mean we've seen so many memes like that like remember the dress it's like is this yes. uh, blue and Blue and black or gold and white. Gold and, and white, yeah. Yeah, and then there's other ones where it's like, which which color do you see first? And uh-huh. it's like about if you're left-brained or right-brained. And we've had a lot of fun with stuff like that with my family. So, 
Uh, color is an amazing thing that God created, and it's uh, I can't imagine a world without it, but it would be kind of fun to introduce that to a new world. Yeah. So this sounds like a great story, Rochelle. Um, I, I can't wait to see it, and uh, congrats on publishing it. And uh, it's, it's great to share that sense of wonder. So Thank you thank so much. And I love everything that you guys do at Lore Haven. And I really do um, love the discussions about wonder and magic um, from a Christian worldview. I love reading your magazine. So thank Thanks. you for having me on. And where can our listeners find you online? Um, my main platform is Instagram. And you can find me at rochelle.nelson.author. Um, I'd love it if you'd sign up for my email newsletter, which you can do with the links in my bio. Or you can go to RochelleNelsonAuthor.com and Rochelle is spelled R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E. Great. We'll have those links in the show notes. Thanks, Rochelle. Thank you so much. Sorry, Zach, I hate to interrupt, but we've got to introduce our second sponsor for this episode, which is perfectly matched for the whole Realm Makers idea because it's EJ Kitchens looking for a fun yet challenging writing class for your teen or yourself. I Write How to Write a Novel is a brand new online writing course that will teach you how to write novels that your friends and even strangers will want to read, how to overcome writer's block and gather ideas, and much more. I Write is taught by E.J. Kitchens, a professional copywriter, former college lab instructor, and award-nominated author of the Star Clock Chronicles and Magic Collector's books. I Write is 30 weeks long, and for any homeschoolers looking for a language arts credit, it is worth one credit. For more information and to enroll before the August 15 start date, visit EJ Kitchens' website at ejkitchens.com slash courses. Of course, we'll have all those links in the show notes uh, for the I Write course, as well as our top sponsor, The Light of Adon by Karen Hancock. All right. I am sitting now with Donovan Bergen, and this is his first Realm Makers. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's really cool to meet with you. We, we've had some other conversations here. Uh, but a big theme, as you may have seen this uh, weekend, is wonder. Right. So things that give you a sense of wonder, things in creation, things in stories, things in human culture and creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what have been some things that have come to mind that give you that sense of wonder? Well, I think specifically at this conference, um, I drove it in Saturday morning and was kind of exhausted but having a real good time and um, oddly enough it didn't dawn on me till that afternoon as I was sitting and talking with um, other people here at Realm Makers that hey I'm here at a convention with people who are in love with science fiction fantasy and Jesus Christ (laughs) and I was like wait I am surrounded by my tribe you know, and uh, there's something powerful about that, and I think that's what we get when we're in church or when we're interacting with the community. And it was just a special moment of realizing that. And then, in some of the moments between what we were doing here um, and some of the breaks we had, I had a run-in with uh, a couple who was not part of the conference, and they just asked me what I was doing. And I talked to them about this conference, about it was a Christian conference, and they opened up about their faith. They prayed over me, and I got to pray over them. And it was just another moment of connection and uh, with other individuals and with God at the same time. And it was just, to me, those are the wonderful moments. That's amazing. I love that, that you found your tribe. Um, C.S. Lewis says that 
we read to find out we're not alone. Mm. And because you read a character and you're like, hey, he's kind of like me. Yeah. You know, or she's kind of like me, or she's like my friend, or he's kind of like my relative. Mm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not alone, and, or he sees the world the way I see the world. Yes. You know, okay, I'm not crazy. Yes. And you come to Realmakers and you're like, okay, you can like spaceship stories and dragon stories and still love Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not alone. Yeah. So, what have been some stories that you've enjoyed uh, over this past year, or even recently, or that you've heard about at Realmakers? You just said, "Wow, I gotta, I gotta see that story, or I just gotta watch it again, or I gotta tell people about that story." Right. Well, I think specifically here at Realm Makers, there's just a whole lot of stories that I've been hearing about. I think I just piled my bag of brand new books that are <laughs> I'm gonna go home and tear through and have a great time with. Some of the books that I have really enjoyed this year, "The Reason for God" by Tim Keller, as I just started that a couple weeks ago. And it's just been amazing to read through that. I think Names of God by uh, The Power of the Names of God by Tony Evans have been another really good book. So, yeah, I tend to get into a lot of nonfiction and fiction. And uh, it's just been a really good year of reading and a really good year of marveling at um, what God can do in our lives. It is amazing how many names God is known by. Yeah. So um, what are some of your favorite names of God? Oh, man, that is a good question, Um, especially highlighted in that book. It's like chapter after chapter of just revealing. It's more about, for me, learning more about God's character through some of those situations, right? Um, And I think that one of the things that resonated well with me that I hadn't resonated well with before um, was when David was facing Goliath, right? He calls on the Lord as his protector and his warrior, and he says, God is holy, God is my protector, God is my warrior. Um, why would I be afraid of this challenge before me? You know, and I think there are so many times in my life, in my wife's life, in our wa- lives together, that we've faced this seemingly insurmountable challenge. Um, and each time, God has proven it proven himself to be bigger, greater, and more sufficient than that challenge. So really just resonating with some of those stories in a different way and realizing how they connect with your life is is just a great experience. I, I love that. That so that's a you're segueing perfectly my next question is how do how do these moments of wonder lead you to biblical truth? You know the name of God that I think about a lot is Prince of Peace. Mm. So it's almost a contrast, right? You think of a prince, uh, I, I think of The Prince by Machiavelli. <laughs> right. <laughs> N- not a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think of uh, Prince, the artist formerly known as. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely different, yeah. <laughs> different or, kind of prince. Or you think of um, a spoiled brat prince, you know, son of the king that just kind of inherits everything, doesn't work for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, lazy, entitled, um, you know, and, and doesn't want to rise to the occasion of, of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stories about that. So, yeah, we have a lot of different pictures of prince, but a prince of peace. So someone that is ruling, but that is bringing peace at the same time. You, you yes. think of someone that's ruling, 
it's usually through force mm-hmm. or, or some kind of trickery. You know, we have so many books and stories about dystopian worlds and yeah. kind of authoritarian leaders. My oldest daughter right now is reading 1984. Oh, wow. So we got Big Brother. Yes. Not, not a nice prince. Mm-mm. So a prince of peace. So someone that brings peace uh, collectively but individually as well. Like right. Jesus is the prince of our hearts that brings peace. It, that's a wondrous thing, and the, the truth that that leads me to is that I don't have to worry so much about human princes because, first of all, they all die, <laughs> <laughs> or they have very limited time spans mm-hmm. for ruling, and ultimately there is a higher prince that's in charge of all these things, and I can put my trust in that. Right. And that, that can help me kind of navigate this world and not be so concerned about it, which, of course, we're, we're getting politics shoved in our face all the time, <laughs> so it's very easy to, to slip into that. There's a bad guy in charge of the world, and then the tables are turned, right? you know, and a good guy comes into power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that story over and over again, it shows us that God is ultimately bringing things under his control. Yes. And so, like with David and Goliath, you know, Goliath seems like the guy in charge. Mm-hmm. Until he's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until he's very much not in control. Right. He's not even in control of the location of his head in mm-hmm. relation to his neck. No, no. <laughs> and all it took was for one one boy yeah. to have faith in what God could do. Mm-hmm. Not even himself, but what God could do. And that overcame Goliath. You know? Yeah. And we always face those Goliaths in our own lives. And I think it's great to realize it's not by our power. So when we feel too weak, we are too weak, but he is strong. And so that's, I, I, I love that. Yeah. So what do you hope to trust God for or experience his wonder through this year? Well, um, I think there's quite a few ways. I think one of the things that I really appreciate or got out of um, this Realm Makers, Trisha talked a lot about how God directs your life. Right, and how he may call you into something that takes you away from what you really want in the moment because he knows what you need. And she talked about releasing her authorial journey to the Lord, the author of our lives, right? And so for me, it was this moment of, you know, I've been learning how do I surrender my family? How do I surrender my children? Um, And for me, this year, and it's pretty much every year for me, is how do I surrender my pride? How do I surrender my desire for the attention to be on me? You know, and so it was just God kind of revealing that in my heart as she was speaking those words and realizing I need to make that surrender. And so that was just incredibly freeing and powerful for me. And um, I hope that I can continue to follow that throughout the year and just kind of surrender hey, God, what do you want for me on this writing journey? What do you want for me um, in my free time and things of that nature? I love that. God really is our ultimate author, and uh, I'm sure he's working from an outline. I'm sorry, pantsers, uh, people who write by the seat of their pants, (laughs) discovery writers, whatever you want to call yourselves. A lot of those are realm makers, but God is an outliner, I'm convinced, because he saw the end from the beginning. And uh, But yeah, he is the author of, of our lives and the, the book that he makes about each one of our lives. And so if we trust that, it makes the journey of going through that book a lot more fun yes, it and is. a lot more enjoyable. So those are some great thoughts, Donovan. And Thank uh, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. All right. I'm sitting now with Brian Weaver. He is a writer of epic fantasy. 
and he's been coming to Raw Makers uh, for a couple years now. He'll, he'll tell us about that and, and why he discovered Raw Makers. And Brian, you've also been a, a very um, uh, supportive listener of our show. I appreciate all the ways that you share about our show with others, and uh, I'm glad it's uh, uh, provided value to you. But uh, so why don't you tell us first, how did you find out about Realm Makers, and how did that kind of enter into your world? Well, I was talking about writing with a bunch of people at church, and one of them happened to mention that her daughter worked for one of the uh, flash fiction publishers, I think it's Havoc, and she mentioned Realm Makers, and I'm going, who is this group I've never heard of? And instead of getting the weird looks from people at church when I talk about writing fantasy, I walk in here and mention what I'm writing, and everybody just nods and says, oh, yes, I've done something similar. <laughs> oh, dragons and uh, wizards and like, spaceships, okay. I don't feel like such a freak around here. It's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, tell me more. That, that's cool. So this is your second one to come to? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so a uh, big theme this week has been wonder. Yeah. What have been the things that, that make you feel wonder, that point you to God, that, that point you to some truth? Uh, that you find in the Bible. So uh, let's just talk about stories or, or even God's creation. What are some things that make you feel wonder? Well, I was really intrigued by the launch of the, of the Webb Space Telescope. Oh, yes. And I always am amused by the reaction of the secular community with regard to that because they're so obsessed with looking for uh, someone out there to give them justification when everything that it points to reminds me of the scripture that says the heavens declare the glory of God. And if all of the universe is empty of all life except for God, and the earth is the only place where humans are, that just demonstrates how big God is compared to humanity. And instead of making me feel insignificant, it makes me feel amazed that that humongous, immense, omnipotent God would deign to come down and live as a man and sacrifice himself for a sinner like me. It just boggles the mind. Yeah. Uh, man, I was so excited for the James Webb to launch, and I nearly had a panic attack when some micrometeorite hit it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that and, must be terrible. And they found some little holes, and I'm like, no, we've all waited so long <laughs> to see this thing work. Um, but yes, you're right. You know, Psalm 8, when I consider the stars the moon the work of your hands yeah. and uh the psalmist says what is man does exactly is the end there no no he says what is man that, that you are you're mindful, mindful of, of him you know and you're right the secularist stops with what is man oh yeah. what what is man compared to all these stars you know and um there's kind of two ways that the secular worldview takes you it's oh what is man we're just nothing but dirt, and uh, there's nothing special about humanity. We're just we're, we're born, we die, and that's it. And there's just eventually the heat death of the universe. So nothing special. It's all just atoms and molecules. Or there's the oh, we're made of stardust, and it's so special. Isn't that cool? You're made of a star. Well, okay, that doesn't really tell me anything about a transcendent nature that we all feel. I, I keep hoping beyond hope that one of these days they're going to look at some distant planet and God will have spelled out on the surface of that planet, I am, oh. <laughs> and see there how they try to spin that yeah. to say, no, no, that's don't read too much into that. Yeah, I was talking to someone today earlier about, I think this might have been Carrie Neitz, sci-fi author. He was saying that the expectation with the James Webb Telescope is that as they look 
further and further away, you know, you're looking further back in time. And what they expected to find was just these kind of blurry almost or just not very well organized galaxies. Mm-hmm. Just kind of clumps of maybe not even stars, but just dust and clouds and, and whatever, radiation. But what they're finding in the, the very distant edges of our universe is these fully formed, very well organized, you know, spiral galaxies. It doesn't fit their presuppositions no. at all. Right. So how did those, you know, it's like, how, how did those form when they should have taken a lot longer to form? And I, hey, I don't know, but I, I love those moments where a discovery upends a theory that's based on an assumption of there being no God. Yes. <laughs> When you start with a false assumption, it's going to lead you down some some weird paths that don't lead you to the truth. Yeah. But, you know, back to Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him? Uh, God knows the name of every star and every galaxy that he also knows the name of. And every soul on earth. And he knows all of our names. And he knows all of our stories. Um, when I was in college, I had a roommate. And um, we, uh, I think we both had, like, really uh, early morning classes and I was struggling to get up for these, you know, 8 a.m. engineering classes. And my roommate, John, said, well, why don't you pray for God to wake you up in the morning? I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I, I guess I could try that. I mean, I've got an alarm clock and or I could leave the blinds open. And he's like, well, why don't you just pray? I'm like, is that silly, though? And he's like, well, it sounds silly, right? Like you're asking God to be your alarm clock. But he knows who you are, and he cares about you. Like, that's, he's not too busy for you. That's almost as dangerous as asking God to give you patience because <laughs> you wanted him to give you patience, but you you don't know how he's going to do it. Right, right. Yeah. So he might wake you up an hour early, and you can't go back to sleep, but he wants you to use that time to pray or read the Bible or, yeah, you know, just enjoy his creation sometimes. Um, I always joke, if he wanted me to enjoy the sunset, he would have put it an hour later because I'm not a morning bird. I am a... I am a night owl. So yes, definitely. I like I like to explore his creation through the stars in the darkness of the night. Totally. So, what are some other things that make you have that sense of wonder from a story, either a story you've read or the movie you've watched, uh, particularly if it's a story that you found through Realmakers? Well, it's. I'm always amazed by the the different viewpoints that pe- some different people come to this by looking at the same thing I see. And see it from a totally different perspective and shift my thinking by hearing what they're looking at and going, I never thought of it that way. Just because I think of it one way doesn't mean it's the only way to think of it. And it's like, it's helped shift me in ways that I never would have expected. So when I never believed in myself, all the people coming and saying, you can do this. If God wants you to do this, he'll help you do this. So do it. And so if I know I don't want to be the the servant that gets to the end and God says, take his talent away from him and give it to the one who has ten. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I see all these people using the talent that God gave them to serve him in creative fiction, in art, in pub in podcasting, and why not join in that crowd and do this do likewise? I love the just the whole fact of finding different things in the same story. Yeah. Because everyone's different and God kind of wires us differently. Um, that's really cool. I mean, we are the body of Christ and we're all different parts of the body, different expressions of the body. 
And, you know, that's something that we often find through our book quests that we do through the Lorehaven Guild, our uh, Discord server. We have these kind of chapter-by-chapter questions. Everyone kind of chips in and, and chimes in with their, their thoughts about a book, about a story, about its meaning. And it's really cool just to read through all those, those answers and just see the different ways that a story is, um, uh, is, is really touching someone and, yeah. and kind of how it uh, connects with them. Um, much more positive than just reading Amazon reviews from just total strangers. Yes, definitely. With, with weird names and you wonder if they're robots or not. Uh, everyone in our Lorehaven server, as far as we know, certified human, organic. Um, but it is, it's really neat to share a story with people. You know, reading is such an individual thing that we do. It's easy to just get locked into, these are the books I'm reading, and they don't involve anyone else. But that's the beauty of a, of a conference like this. You find all these people that love these stories, and you get to enjoy them together and enjoy the different experiences of those stories together. It's especially interesting when I talk to somebody who have read the same book that I have, and they look at me and says, well, I got a totally different view on that. It spoke to me in this way, and it's similar to when I read the same, I read the same scripture that I've read dozens of times before, and suddenly something leaps out of it that I've never noticed. And it's like, wow, it's like, how did I miss that? I mean, that's just the truth that God's Word is living and active. Through all the stories that we're telling, we are trying to reflect that back. You know, just the importance of words and language and stories because God told us stories. But, you know, His stories and His words are so powerful because they come from the creator of all these galaxies. And you're right. Like, you, you, never, you never get tired of reading God's Word because it's not old, stale, dead, you know, language. It's, it's not just a human creation. It's a, uh, it's a divine creation that He used humans to create. And that's the amazing thing, too, about Realmakers is that um, God is using all of these people here to make these stories, to share them with others, to, to portray attributes of God, portray His truth. Um, it, and, you know, He's put these stories into all these people here. That's amazing, too. Yeah. So, so not only does He know our stories, He's creating stories through us for other people to enjoy together. And he may end up telling me to write a similar story to somebody else, but even if you gave all of us the same assignment, each story would come out different because we're different people and have had different experiences. So he can speak to different people through all of us saying the same thing. We were made by a creative God, and we we share in his some of his creativity. Yeah, it's just it gives you chills. Yes. So, Brian, where can our listeners find some of your stories? Well, I just set up a new website that hopefully I'll get looking a little bit better at brianweaver.net. And uh, mainly to set that up to force myself to write more, to put more stuff out there so people don't show up at the website and say, that's it. And uh, the plan is to hopefully have something to pitch here at the 2024 Realm Makers and uh, then talk to Kirk about getting the cover made. Okay. Well, so. we'll be talking to Kirk later. That'll, he's a great guy. I'm looking forward to that. And that's Brian with an I, by the way. So brianweaver.net. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Brian. It's great to meet you in person. I was glad to uh, be here. It's, it's wonderful. So thank you. All right. I am talking here with Kirk DuPont from Dog-Eared Design. So if you look at the Realm Awards on the Realm Makers website, 
or a lot of different publishers that are represented here, you will have probably seen one of the book covers that Kirk has designed. So what, what have been some stories that have given you a sense of wonder? I'm thinking like Steel Fire from the Gods is what I'm looking at right now. Oh, I love and, that cover. Oh, thank you. I, I Literally, I saw it and said, shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I just read, they, they give me like a, a couple pages of marketing and uh, to give me a feel. And I just read the first two sentences and I'm like, oh, I'm not reading this because I don't, I don't want any spoilers. And I just read the manuscript. <laughs> but that was good. It, there was a lot of hope in it. Yeah, it's, it's a dystopian book, uh, AI taking over the earth sort of thing, yeah. But, you know, that, that's why we read dystopian, because we want to know, even in the craziest, most evil takeovers of planet Earth, there's still hope, right? Right, right. And that came through in the story, because actually the character was a bit of a nihilist, and that changed at the end. That's so cool. there was an arc, yeah. So there was definitely hope. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a reoccurring way to give you a sense of wonder it's like there's something more powerful than the evil and the darkness that we see in the world yeah so, absolutely uh, what are some other stories that you just enjoy uh, reading listening to watching that just make you go wow how did they do that or that was amazing right right um, well I'm a visual guy and uh, there's there's some stories like the, the latest Lord of the Rings is the first thing that came to mind when you, you asked that I'm disappointed with the story side of it, but... Oh, the Rings of Power? Yeah, but it's so beautiful. Okay. Everything about the visuals is is right on. Um, I'm I'm a little disappointed in some of the story aspects, but, man, they did such a good job. It's it's beautiful. I could just turn the sound off and just watch it. That's cool. I remember when they first teased that show, there was just an image of someone standing in front of a tree with Mm -hmm. some city or castle in the background that was it right and within like minutes all of the lord of the rings nerds like figured out where it was Uh and then they figured out what it's going to be about and what age it's set in and Mm -hmm. kind of some of the major story and i'm just i was amazed at that oh yeah like how did did people know what that image was right right but but it was produced so well yes so Yeah. yeah that is pretty incredible um you know i felt that way with um, I, I haven't watched Rings of Power, but I've watched the uh, Wheel of Time uh-huh. TV adaptation on also on Amazon. Right, and yeah, same thing. A lot of the uh, story elements didn't love. A lot of the changes didn't love. But man, there were definitely some scenes that were just like just blew me away. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they go into some cities. And it's just right. Like wow. Yeah, they're and they create entire worlds. Yeah, like yeah. The, the the dead city. Yeah, I mean, Shadar Lagoth. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Yes, you are. <laughs> but yeah, just the you you definitely feel like you're there. They they do such a great. It's amazing what they can do today. Yeah, those crazy computer people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I even loved how one thing they added to the show that's not in the books. It's just like in the backstory is this character named Logan? We're getting way off track here. But the false dragon, so the false messiah. Right. Yeah. And they showed him taking over uh, Gialdin and in this big war, and then he's using you know magic, basically the one power, but he's also going crazy because men can't uh, use the, the male half of the one power. It turns them insane. Hmm. And so just the way they showed that entire sequence 
Yeah. Uh, compared to the more, uh, well, compared to the female magic user Moiraine, the kind of official, you know, magic society, the Aes Sedai, and she's, you know, going to war against these Trollocs, and that's really awesome. Yeah. But, you know, both those scenes, just kind of back-to-back, were so powerful, mm-hmm. visually speaking. Yes. Yeah, I and, know exactly what you're And, you saying. know, people debated, oh, well, should we even see this? Because, anyway, that's because of book reasons, but I thought that was really cool to see all that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, because you have to show things. Uh, frankly, I get really bored by uh, fantasy movies that there's magic power, but it's all invisible, and it's just hmm. someone squinting or, like, touching their <laughs> finger to their forehead. I'm like, right. that, that's like the Spock mind meld thing, right? Like, my mind to your mind. Sure. Like, what's happening? I don't know. <laughs> You're just, like, squinting. <laughs> um, uh, no, I thought they did the magic really well. Yeah. Yeah. I love, man, yeah, all that stuff, just visually, it's just amazing to me. I love it. So when you see something that's beautifully done visually, uh-huh. whether that's a, you know, a set piece or special effects or, or some artwork that you look at, what are some ways that that points you to biblical truth or just mm-hmm. something about God's character and nature? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about what the Garden of Eden would have been like, and I, I, I'm sure it doesn't, it's not actually going to be like that. It's going to be so much better. Uh, in the future, but back when everything was perfect, Ned and me were were hanging out. I, I can just see, you know, the, like the God rays coming through the trees, like uh, everything's glowing, like it does in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, I love that verse in Genesis where it says, um, "The tree was good for food and pleasing to look at." Mm. He didn't have to make the second one, mm-hmm. uh, right? Except he did. Yeah. <laughs> You know, beauty is a need that we have. Uh, otherwise, God wouldn't have put it into the world. Um, and, um, mm. you know, it, it's an irreducible value. It's not just um, a thing we need for something else. It's, it's something that we need at a core level. Mm-hmm. Um, Makoto Fujimura has talked about that in his book, uh, Culture Care. Uh-huh. Um, he tells the story of when um, he and his wife were young and newly married. They were on a very, very tight budget. And he's just trying to make ends meet, pay the rent, put food on the table, keep the lights on. And he comes home one day, and his wife had a vase of flowers on the table. Uh-huh. And he's like, what are you doing? Why did you spend, you know, 20 bucks or whatever on those flowers? Like, you know, we can't eat those. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, uh, but our souls need them. Right. And our soul needs beauty. Yeah. You know, we're not just stomachs right. that have to consume things. We're not just bodies that have to stay warm or not, or right. not, get, too, not right. get too hot, not get too cold. Uh, we have souls. You know. Yeah. We're a body and a soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It feeds a soul. I live in Woodland Park, Colorado, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a view of the mountains from my window. So um, I, I tend to wake up before my family. Um, I've got four kids. and six cats and <laughs> so it's kind of nice mornings are like my favorite time and when the light hits pike's peak just at that right moment I'm like oh that's a good that's, that's a good start to the morning yeah yeah we we take trips up to colorado i really love to see when there's clouds but you can see the mountains right above the clouds right yep um and uh, you know i live in austin where we have we have hills so we don't quite have mountains uh-huh. we have a lot of natural beauty 
uh, but also the motto is keep Austin weird. So right. we have a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> and sometimes you see, you know, the beauty of human culture and creativity. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's just trash or whatever, <laughs> just weird things. But you also see a lot of music. You see a lot of um, really cool independent artists and just people trying to make something new and original. Uh-huh. And just that impulse to, to create. You know, even in... Um, Austin is not as churched of a city as like Dallas or Houston. Mm, right. Um, and yet there is that impulse to create. Right. To, to make things and to support others uh, because God has put that desire for beauty in all of us. Right. So um, I, I think it's something inescapable and I think it's something that actually God uses to draw people uh, closer because we start to wonder, why do I love beauty? Why do I love uh, the sunrise? You yeah. Know? Why do I love uh, green flowing hills mm-hmm. instead of just concrete everywhere? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's something in, innate in us. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about, like, C.S. Lewis, um, when he, speaking of wonder, um, from my understanding, his brother created some sort of little box and had something in it that was creative. And for some, that stirred something in him as a child. And it's like, even as an older man, he, that, he was always chasing that feeling like there was something beyond you know the present that it gave him kind of a, a taste of the eternal and it was visual that's so cool yeah so what have been some of the highlights for you at realm makers this weekend i got to teach a, a couple classes and done some mentoring so this is like a lot busier than normal for me so i'm not used to i'm a, i'm pretty much stuck in my house all day which it fits my personality, so this is really out of my comfort zone. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It, it's I'm I love coming here because this is like the time, the one time in the year when I when I really socialize and I feel like I'm an extrovert, even though I'm really not. <laughs> right. But, um, man, there's so many things. Um, having young designers come up to me and say that they they know my stuff, and I'm not trying to say like, I've got a big head from it but it's it's amazing that what i do in my little office that other people are even aware of so and so that's it's kind of weird to me but um but it's inspiring too like i guess i i'm i'm responsible uh a little more than than i probably think about sometimes yeah um so it's neat to to talk to to young people and, uh, you know, they're asking me, well, how do I get into the business and all that? And yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, d- divine intervention. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know how I got into it, to be honest. I mean, that is a really wondrous thing that you're creating something and you, you know, you press a button on a computer and it goes somewhere Yeah. and other people see it. And then those people that see it come in person to where you are in person and you meet. And, and, and then you have this uh, meeting of the minds and you mm-hmm. get to discuss art and design yeah. and, and what, the, you know, what that image meant to them and how it made them feel. Yeah. And just getting to hear that in person is so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just talking to a girl from New Zealand. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, like she came here specifically to be at Realm Makers from New Zealand. Oh, wow. She was That's with amazing. her father. She's, huh. she's a teenager. I don't know how old she is. But, um, yeah, and she's like aware of my art which is really weird <laughs> so she had yeah had took a, a photo with us in front of my booth 
I know. So. I mean, uh, on kind of a different level, I've, I've had a similar experience with just the podcast. I was standing in a group of uh, people the other day, a few I knew, a few I didn't know. And one person finally, after a couple minutes, looked at my name tag and said, oh, you're Zach with the podcast. I listened to you. Uh huh. I recognized your voice. Right. I'm like, that's so strange. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know I had a voice that people would... But of course, like, everyone is unique, you know. Right. And we all have, you know, these, these unique and individual contributions and in artwork yeah. that, it, that it, uh, it means something to someone else. Someone told me... And again, j- just, to, just this was so wonderful. Someone told me, I look forward all day Monday to your podcast on Tuesday. It gets oh, me through that's Monday. That's fantastic. I'm like, maybe that's why we, we are releasing on Tuesday, because Mondays are yeah. Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> they can be tough. You need something to look forward to after a Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but it is just so fun to make that connection and go, okay, the work that I put into this was worth it. Yeah. You know, and right. just the toiling behind the scenes. You know, and you know with, with art, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that no one ever sees. Yeah. To get to that finished product, um, you know, someone said the other day, "Oh, your your podcast is so smooth." I'm like, "Yeah," because you don't see all the outtakes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mostly me. It's mostly me editing stupid things out that I say. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully, you'll edit out some stupid things that I say. <laughs> <laughs> no need. But yeah, it's it's like okay, these are the moments when that's all worth it. Yeah. When when you find that your your work has made an impact on someone, it's like okay, all that time I spent. All the studying I did, all the kind of perfecting of craft, hey, that, that was worth it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I've thought a lot about, too, about Jesus' own ministry. You see such a small part of it. And that was only a small part of his life. And we don't see those other 30 years of his life except one moment when he's 12. It's true. And I always think about that. Like, why did God only show us part of that time? And... Well, I mean, there's practical reasons, like there was no one following around with papyrus, right. and that's really expensive anyway, <laughs> back right, in those times. Right. you got to read the Apocrypha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then even within those three years, we just mostly see one week and just little scattered moments elsewhere. Right. But those were the moments that stood out, but those moments wouldn't have happened without all the other days. And I love how the, the Gospel of John ends, mm. that if... Jesus did many other things too. Right, they'd fill up. They'd fill up the entire world with right, books. Right, right. So you know, God has so many things going on all at once that we we can only just get glimpses of. And you know, I wish I could talk to everyone here, but there's 400 people. Right. And but you know, God is telling so many stories and creating so many beautiful things through people here. Um, it just boggles the mind sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? 14-hour drive home. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you like road trips? I do, actually. Um, this might be a bit much. As I get older, it gets more difficult. But, I mean, I only do this once a year. So yeah. I really love it. I don't know. I was invited to go to Dragon Con. Oh, like, cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm up for it. It's only like a month away. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Clint Hall, who, who did uh, Steal Fire from the Gods, he lives in Atlanta and invited me out but I don't know <laughs> this is too much for my little my yeah. body <laughs> well, that's probably a little bit longer drive to get to Atlanta that's but. well I'd probably fly yeah <laughs> I wouldn't have this monster display to bring with me yeah so, yeah yeah but this has been great this this might be my favorite realm makers and I've been to I don't know six or seven now oh that's fantastic yeah 
Well, it's great to hear that, and uh, it's good to hear that you're looking forward to the drive. I, I, you know, I love road trips. I live in the middle of Texas, so it takes a whole day just to get out of Texas. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like driving through it, and uh, you know, you get to see more of God's creation that way. Um, we live in such a big world. Yeah. That feels so. It can feel really small just because of the internet. Right. But then meeting someone from New Zealand, wow. Oh, I know. And yeah. uh, just thinking about where that is and how would you even get there, you know, yeah. uh, by any other means other than airplane. Right. It's just incredible to think about that now. Yeah, it makes my little 14-hour drive nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you got some good audio books or podcasts or something. But uh, Yeah, yeah. I listened to Maxine Justice. Have oh, you heard okay. of that? I Attorney just bought the book, yeah. It is. Okay. It's really good. It's great, in fact. Very entertaining. Awesome. Yeah. Well, enjoy that. And Kirk, where can our listeners find you and your work? Uh, my main design site is dogeareddesign.com or fictionartist.com as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have that in the show notes. Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Zach. All right. I am sitting down with Laura Van Arendonk Baugh. She just won the Realm Award for short fiction for her story, Love My Neighbor. It's in the anthology Gilded Glass by Wordfire Press, edited by Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, Laura, tell us first, what is that story? What was it about? Uh, the, the, the short version, it's the protagonist sees in the mirror every morning a different face that is a person that they will meet at some point during the day. And they work out that their, their mission, uh, it, whether or not they choose to accept it, is to do something nice and neighborly. So, like, you know, one person has forgotten their wallet, so they pay for their coffee. And, you know, just, just you know, different things like that, really small, simple things. But, you know, connecting with people. And then one day they look in the mirror in the morning and they see a skinhead looking back at them. Wow. That's intense. Not someone you normally see or would interact with. And it's real hard to be like, hey, let me go find a way to be nice to this person. Have you heard of the story of Daryl Davis? Accidental Courtesy, I think, was the name of the documentary about him. I don't think so. So he's an African-American that felt called to love the KKK. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, I didn't yeah. know the name, but I, okay. know the, I know the story. Yeah. Yes. I may be getting a couple things wrong here, but essentially he would go meet individually with Klan members mm-hmm. and try to talk them out of being in the Klan. Right, right. And when they would uh, leave, he would ask them to give them their hoods or their whatever, Confederate flags, whatever it was that they would have. Yeah. And then he has a whole collection of them. Yeah. <laughs> and there's dozens or hundreds of them that he's, he's done. It's amazing. What would possess someone to go to people that hate you and try to talk love to them? That's, that's incredible. So I love this story idea. Um, it gives me also, um, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan, and I've seen Groundhog Day probably a million times. So it reminds me of that. Yes. So I really like this. This is really fun. And I like that it's just looking in the mirror mm-hmm. because you don't expect to see someone else in the mirror. You right. expect to see yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it starts the first time they see a different person. Yeah. They're like, am I hallucinating? Oh. What's going oh, on? Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. that. That's scary. That's, uh, wait, am I, why am I seeing that other person? So then they have to figure out who that person is just from an image. Right. So there's no other information. No. Oh, I like it. And so then it's a challenge. Who is that person and how do I find them? That's really cool. Well, congrats on winning the Realm Award. Thank you. So a big thing we have talked about uh, today on the podcast is what has given people a sense of wonder. So this can be something in God's creation. 
something, uh, some experience, a uh, story? Uh, what's something that has brought about that sense of wonder for you? So uh, this, this was not a super recent experience. It's been a few months ago at this point, but I had the opportunity to uh, do a pilgrimage in Japan. Um, I hiked a, uh, a thousand-year-old pilgrimage trail across the Kyu Peninsula, uh, the Kumano Kodo, which is the old roads of Kumano. Um, so if you're familiar with the Camino de Santiago, uh, in yes. Kis- okay, uh-huh. that's a UNESCO-recognized pilgrimage trail. The only other one on the planet is the Kumano Kodo. Oh, wow. Um, so I spent a week hiking across this pan- uh, peninsula, across the mountains of Japan. There are three primary shines for- shrines for the three primary Shinto Kumano deities. Um, and I arrived at the first uh, one and went into the um, the worship area. And we've got our you know primary deity things set up you know to honor. And then we get down to the end, and there's another little shrine house uh, labeled. And I'm going to paraphrase, but it, the basic message is to the unknown god. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and, okay. And so that was pretty cool. Just going through some amazing places with amazing history. You know, the, the scenery is amazing. Japanese mountains are beautiful. <laughs> um, and uh, I was, uh, I had arranged my, um, you know, a lot of gear was sent ahead, so I only had to day pack. I didn't have to, you know, carry a week's worth of gear, which I have done. This is better. <laughs> and, um, but uh, again, like you can, you know, this is the place that's been traveled for a thousand years, you know, over a thousand years, and you can absolutely, you know, get a sense of history and, you know, the trail. You can tell. I mean, this is an extremely well-worn area. Uh, you know, at one point you you come out on the peak and you can see the Pacific Ocean. But I started on the other side of the of the peninsula, oh, so wow. I crossed you know the whole area. I I like this whole idea though of pilgrimages. Um, I, I have a friend that went on the Camino. Just this whole idea of going on a journey through a place that others have gone before, but you don't see them. Right. But you know that they've gone there. It's sort of like um, that genre of fiction called uh, slipstream. Mm-hmm. It's like these two parallel timelines. They don't really cross each other, but um, they're experiencing kind of the same things in the same place, just not at the same time. It's a, it's a sense of wonder to have this experience that goes beyond yourself, that goes beyond uh, even cultures and, and, and uh, across time. So that's really cool. So I, <laughs> I'm going to not give the backstory, so they'll just be hilarious. I accidentally found myself in Athens, Greece, uh-huh. un- <laughs> unplanned. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, be, I'm here anyway. I'm going to stop on the way to the airport and, and see the Acropolis because you know, I'm in Athens. I got one one thing I can do. I'm going to do that. So I go and I'm walking around the Acropolis, and it's amazing, and you know all of these things. And I'm descending, and I just see a congregation of people, just a you know massive crowd of people that just keeps you know congregating in one area, and it's a kind of a raised, like you can imagine, an enormous boulder, and I can look down on it from the from the Parthenon and Acropolis area. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to walk over there and see. Like, obviously a lot of people are going here for, for some reason. And I walk over, and there's not really any signage, and there's not really any. It's just people just keep walking up there and looking around and walking down. Maybe it's just a local sightseeing point. But there is, there is a sign, but it's entirely in Greek, and Greek is not a thing that I do. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to hit Google Maps and just see if, if I can identify where I'm standing, just you know, in case it's important. It was important. It was the Areopagus. 
um, <laughs> like a little a little known. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, no, I need to climb up and stand on the area back and take photos and be like, dude, I'm on. Anyway, I was coming down, um, and I'm compl- I'm solo. I'm just traveling alone. And a man approaches me, and um, he's Greek. But he's speaking English, and, and he's like, do you know where you are? I'm assuming he didn't mean like Athens, like even though that was a surprise to me. But he was, I'm like, yeah, this is this is the Areopagus. He was, do you know why it's that impo- why that's important? I'm like, yeah, like Paul spoke here, and you know, I'm kind of go through it. It was funny because he was almost annoyed that I already knew. Like <laughs> he, was, he was hoping to get to explain it, but um, but it was really you know so cool to to look at and because I don't know like. My, my, my Bible didn't come with accurate era photos, right, of, right. of things. So you think of area because you're like, okay, it's a raised area, it's a marketplace, it's something where people would be. No, it is literally just a giant rock that would actually make a fairly good pulpit, and it is rock-throwing distance from the Parthenon. So it really set that whole scene in a very different thing. And I had a point when we started on how that related to what you were talking about, and then I just got excited, so now I'm lost. Well, that's it. where Paul found the altar to the unknown God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. and um, and you know, even though this this Greek guy you know didn't know me from Adam's off ox or anything, but he's <laughs> walking up and he's like, "Hey, random American stranger, you know, do you know where you are?" And we and we were both excited about the location. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, that, that's so fun to get to experience that with someone uh, <laughs> from a different culture. Um, and yeah, and to think back, wow, Paul stood here, yeah, and gave that speech in Acts seventeen, yeah. And, uh, and then so many people heard the gospel for the first time. And, um, you know, and just he delivered that great truth. He is not far from each one of us. And, uh, you know, Paul goes into the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, uh, two people that had no clue what this was about, but they wanted to hear more. And so it's just neat how those things can begin. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Laura. Congrats again on the award. Thank you. Okay, I am so excited to be joined here by Realm Award-winning author Brian Timothy Mitchell. He's the author of Infernal Fall, which is sort of an adaptation of Dante's Inferno he's going to tell us about here in a minute. Uh, But Brian, welcome to the podcast. It's great to see you in person. Uh, We've obviously had some uh, communication. You've sponsored the podcast, social media, all that stuff. But hey, we're here in person. So uh, welcome, and it's great to see you. Thank you. I am honored to be here. I love the show. So you wrote a book about hell. Yes. So not, not a light subject. No, not a light subject, but there's uh, still a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah, we all experience a little bit of hell in life sometimes. For some, it might be a long line at the grocery store. Sometimes it's uh, coming back home from war with some things lingering on our minds. All kinds of different degrees, but there's always hope. So... No matter what hell you're experiencing, there's a, there's a way out. That's right. You know, I love the verse in John 1 that says, the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Because darkness cannot overcome light by its nature. Light always overcomes darkness. When I was growing up as a kid, I, w- I was not a believer until I was in high school. But I watched a lot of movies and cartoons and things about hell. Uh, one was uh, the first exposure I think was Yosemite Sam going into hell <laughs> from uh, Bugs Bunny or something and he just kind of shoots his way out uh, the other one was Bill and Ted uh, Bill and Ted's bogus journey have you seen that oh yeah oh man so they fall down the kind of infinite pit and they're just screaming and falling and then they just kind of stop and say 
You want to play 20 questions? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they, they meet all these demons and all these really scary, kind of disturbing things. But then they meet the Grim Reaper and uh, challenge into a game of uh, You Sunk My Battleship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best three out of five, you know. And then they, they beat him enough times that they get out of hell. I imagine the character in your book, that's not how he fights his way through hell. No, no. In Dante's Inferno, he has Virgil who guides him, well, guides Dante the pilgrim. In this adaptation, Daniel has a less trustworthy guide. He has heartless Charles, who's really a spirit who wants to be a demon, who wants to forget his humanity. The trick to getting out of hell for Heartless Charles is to go through and beg to the master of hell. That's his idea of escape, leaving humanity. But for Daniel, he doesn't know. He needs to learn. And what he discovers along the way is part of the issue with hell is everyone is prideful. They don't want to admit their sins. They don't they don't want to leave that behind. They don't want to admit they made a mistake. It was everybody else's mistake. Whatever it was, whether it was lust, gluttony, greed, anger, all those indulgences, those earlier circles, it was everybody else's fault. Mm. Their pride keeps them down. That's why it's hard for people to escape that in life. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, I think it's in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis talks about the nature of hell. And he says, imagine um, lots of individual campfires continually moving further and further apart because people look around and they don't trust the other people near them. Mm-hmm. And that's what hell is. It's this uh, place of isolation. Uh, because, and that's, that's why there's darkness. And that's why there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because... Um, People are so obsessed with themselves, so untrustworthy and unresolved in their sin. Lewis said something really interesting. Uh, people in hell, they continue to sin. The, the, the uh, restraining bolts have been removed. You know, because we hear in uh, John 15 that the Holy Spirit has gone in the world to convince people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there is a restraining force now in the world, but in hell there will not be. And um, yeah, that it's, it's like you said, they they continue to blame and not take responsibility because there's no repentance happening. I remember reading in science how the stars are all going to fade one day. They know it's all going to go away one day. But light lives on. We're made of light. We're bioluminescent. We don't see our light. When we're in the dark, we don't see our hands shining, but God is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. We are always going to shine, and we have that hope with us. Whenever we're in the darkest place, if we're in a bad neighborhood where people are getting shot, or you have bullies around you and you feel like there's no way out of these situations, you're going to work and you know that you need that paycheck, or you're going to lose your home, or you're not going to be able to feed your kids. Those are dark situations, but God is always with you, and it's amazing how we find ourselves in these corners, and God somehow is with us, and we help. <laughs> we find help, and we're able to get out of these dark situations. And all, and all, all it takes is to let go of our pride, and uh, that's what I really wanted to hammer home with this 
novel. Because um, um, Dante, in exploring the nine circles of hell, he was uh, really going on exploration on how to find God. That's why he went on to Purgatorio and on to Veradicio, his way to God and going through sin and how we find him in this dark world. But um, I just feel when uh, we find ourselves in these dark places, he's there with us already. And uh, it just takes a moment of, of humility and just letting go of our selfishness and letting go of that pride and just reaching out and asking for help. Yeah. Well, I love that you wanted to write these very positive themes through the vehicle of a horror, you know, through, through a fantasy, but with horror elements, supernatural elements. There's a rich uh, Christian history and tradition of horror as a genre because it shows ultimate good, ultimate evil. It shows, you know, truly what sin leads to. It shows the, the full picture of the lack of redemption, uh, the, the darkness that's possible. But ultimately, good conquers that. God conquers evil. Um, I think about Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Not light reading. <laughs> no. Not, not so inspirational, maybe. Uh, but extremely necessary. I mean, Jesus talked about hell. Let's just face it. Um, we've talked in this podcast before about the purpose and nature of horror and how God uses horror. And I, I think God created the horror genre. Uh, we see a lot of, we won't rehash all that, but there are a lot of stories in the Old and New Testament that have horror elements to them. And God uses that to draw people to repentance because sometimes the most horrifying thing is the, the blindness that people have towards God. And like you said, the pride that kind of suffocates us. And I've seen some just incredible sci-fi uh, in my years. And again, this was, uh, I guess, right around the time I became a Christian. But there's a sci-fi movie in the late 90s called Event Horizon. And it's about this uh, spaceship that goes in search of uh, you know, other solar systems and galaxies. And it travels through a wormhole. Uh, but instead of going to Alpha Centauri, it goes literally into hell and brings something back. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's portrayed very—I uh, mean, it's very terrifying. It's it's an R-rated horror movie, okay? Um, but it's um, like they're not trying to sugarcoat what hell really is. Like very much the opposite. And I don't know if they're Christian filmmakers or not, but I think sometimes we need that because. Um, we live in a culture that doesn't like to think about the end of our lives. Yeah. Think about eternity. We're very now-focused, you know, instant gratification, pleasure, and uh, pain relief-oriented culture. I don't know why Dante wrote in front, uh, the original, uh, yeah, his original book. Uh, do, you, do you know what kind of prompted him to write that? He was thinking about writing um, an Arthurian legend but he also had a lot of devotion to his faith, and he uh, went that route. But um, one thing that, um, that I wanted to mention here is that we have to be brave. And sometimes we think of bravery as a way of uh, being selfish. But sometimes it's also going out on a limb to speak the truth or help a neighbor 
or even ask for help. Uh, sometimes we, we fear what, how, that we'll be judged by someone by asking for help or, uh, or that we would be attacked for trying to correct someone. And there's a, I can understand why people would be afraid, but we are among the wolves. The apostles, they went among the wolves, and they knew what, what was going to happen. Well, maybe they didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but they knew there was real danger in spreading that truth. And that's, we have to be, have that same kind of bravery. Yeah. We have to face the darkness. Yeah. Or the darkness is going to, it's not going to stop. We're the light of the world. God sent us out. I love it. Well, last question, something we've been asking everyone today. Um, at Rawmakers, we've talked a lot about wonder. So what is something that's brought you a sense of wonder? Oh, God speaks to us, that small voice. This is a hard story to tell. My mom used to practice Wicca. She was a Christian, but she, she went down a hard road and she fell into that world of Wicca and I stayed a Christian and we had these long hard conversations she wanted me to go into Wicca I wouldn't leave Christianity I I felt really close to Jesus and she felt like you know she got me started on the church too early and she wanted me to not feel like she I was pushed into that but over time after years of conversation with her she just calls me on the phone one day I believe in God Jesus is the Lord mm. and I and the way that she used to talk about things about discerning spirits and uh, making spells and protecting me with different spells while I was in Iraq I just like she's going to have another wild story to tell so it's like so what happened what made us change she said she looked out a window and she saw that the world was beautiful. She saw the sun was shining, the kids were playing in the yard, and she said to herself, only God can make a day this beautiful. It's like, to me at the time, I was like, that's all? That's all it took? <laughs> all these years we've been talking about this, and you look out a window, and she's like, yeah. And I didn't realize at the time, there's a little bit of pride in me at that point, because uh, God just did a little bitty thing and changed her mind. But one day I was on the way to college. I've already been in the military. I hated being late. I was running late. And uh, I needed to get over in the left lane to turn to get to school faster. But no one would let me over. I was mad. I was hitting a steering wheel. I may have had some colorful words at that point in time. But then out of nowhere, I just say, there's a better way. I said it out loud to myself. Then I get to thinking deeply, there is a better way. I don't need to be angry. I don't need to worry about what's going to happen with my test or my classes. I can be late. I will still live. God is with me. There's a better way. And that stuck with me the whole day. Years of college. I got a master's in computer science with a language arts degree as well. That day sticks with me. That moment sticks with me more than anything else in my years in college. Yeah. God taught me more in that moment than years of college. And then I finally realized what my mom experienced mm. in that moment. Mm. There's a haze that just kind of 
stayed with me that day. I went through my classes, I went through the motions, but I was just in awe that whole day. And I know we all have those moments. And that's, uh, I experienced it here at Rimmakers. Sometimes it's watching TV, it's just like something happens on TV. As, as weird as that is, God works with us yeah. all the time. And all we have to do is open our eyes and, and see. He's always calling for us. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me of the verse that says, uh, His kindness leads us to repentance. And isn't that great when that is what turns us around? Because that's the easy way, yeah. right? You know, and praise God for how your mom turned around from that, that pleasant experience of seeing His creation. Um, I think C.S. Lewis talks about this in the Screw Tape Letters, how one demon says to the other demon, Oh, don't let your patient you know, go for a walk. Don't let him read a book that he actually enjoys. Don't let him have these simple pleasures because that's the enemy's territory, you know, God's territory. God puts so many wonderful things in the world for us to enjoy and to taste and see that he is good. Um, for a while, for a minute there, I thought what you were going to tell me about your mom was um, how the uh, folks in uh, Acts 19, uh, the story they went through, so in, in that, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. These would-be exorcists try to get rid of a demon who overpowers them and strips them naked and uh, wallops them. And then the story of that failed exorcism, you know, the, the, these guys said, hey, we, we're here in the name of Paul, who Je- or, we're here in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And the demon says, well, I don't know who you are, but I know who, who Paul is, and I definitely know who Jesus is. They didn't really believe it. They just tried to use it like magic words. But that the story of how that went about, that made everyone afraid. And that, that fear um, led to a fear of God in a healthy way. And it led to a worship of Jesus. And sometimes God takes people through those hard lessons. But sometimes it's through a pleasant lesson. People don't have to go through hell for everything. <laughs> you know, God takes us through, through beautiful and wonderful places, and uh, it's great to hear how you've experienced some wonder here at Rollmakers and just in other times in your life. So thanks for joining us today, and uh, congratulations again on the Realm Award. Thank you, Zach. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Stephen, how amazing to get to talk to these authors. You know, we've only scratched the surface here because there's, like you said, about 500 people here at Rawmakers 2023. So I wish we had time to talk to many more of them, but I'm sure in the months ahead we'll get to talk to uh, several more authors that we've uh, met here and have books coming out. Uh, going back to something Steve Lobby said in an opening keynote, which you mentioned, Um, I I love how he said that uh, wonder is the amazement we feel when we come across something inspiring, when our senses are overwhelmed, and when our focus is sharpened. And he said this in contrast to kind of the modern day ethos, which is to just keep our bodies well-fed and entertained. That seems to be all that matters. So much entertainment nowadays is just junk food. But what we are seeing through Realm Makers is stories that are truly nourishing and a very well-balanced diet. They're, they're full of wonder because they overwhelm our senses. They go beyond just um, light and fluffy, you know, kind of things or just the algorithmic feed 
that we are seeing from many of the streaming giants. Um, these are stories that are handcrafted, that people put a lot of care into, uh, that they really want to use to reflect God's creativity. Uh, you know, his, uh, Steve Lobby's talk made me think of Romans 1, where it says, His divine power and attributes have been seen through what has been made. Now, obviously, Paul is talking about the natural creation, things like the ghost trees in Namibia. But I also think about that through human creativity, that God's divine power and attributes are being seen through the stories that are being told. And I see that so much among the folks uh, that we got to talk to at the Lorehaven booth uh, right here in the uh, in the vendor hall. Uh, we always have our Lorehaven booth at every Realm Makers we can get to, which right now is all of them, uh, and a lot of great allies surrounding us, but a lot of folks stopping by who are fans of the podcast. So if you're a fan of the podcast and we got to talk to you at the conference, thank you so much for your encouragement. It does take a lot of work even to get this, uh, this little weekly show out, uh, but we love it and we love connecting with all of you and to all the folks. Folks who hadn't heard of Lorehaven before, uh, welcome on board. Uh, it's fantastic to get to meet you at the conference, and uh, we hope that you'll enjoy, uh, hopefully, maybe not listening to all 170 episodes, but hey, listen to all 170 episodes. <laughs> and if you can't get back before uh, the 100th episode on your podcast feed, you can find them all at lorehaven.com. We have them all perma-posted at lorehaven.com slash podcast. If you haven't subscribed to Lorehaven as well, uh, you get more than the podcast. Uh, you get the articles about every month or so. You get the weekly reviews as well as the Tuesday podcast episodes and news, including that news story about uh, the Realm Award winners. You can see all not only the winners there, but the nominees, uh, some photos going on. Uh, we are exiting conference mode now, so I think we took the week off from reviews uh, last week, but we'll be getting back to that as soon as we can. You can subscribe free uh, to get those updates, as I mentioned, but also to join the Lorehaven Guild. That's our exclusive Discord community, about 250 heroes on there, not talking all at once, though. So it's a very welcoming place, very secure, very biblically formed there. And we're still doing a, uh, a book quest through the month of July uh, through Kathy McCrum's science fiction novel, Recorder. It's not too late to jump on there. Uh, Elijah David is leading that quest. Next on Fantastical Truth, great stories, as we have mentioned, should lead us to a sense of wonder. But lately, some stories that don't do that are not doing very well at the box office. And meanwhile, as we mentioned earlier, writers and actors, as we record, have gone on strike for various reasons. But among them, they're objecting to the streaming service revenue platform and to this notion that AI might cheat them out of their livelihoods as human beings. Well, Scripture does warn against employers oppressing their employees, whether it's a business or a vocational ministry or a creative business. So how do Christian fans honor the value of stories and show our appreciation for the creators who work so hard to reflect God's image as they are making these things that should bring us wonder? Meanwhile, maybe you didn't feel wonder this week. Maybe you didn't get to go to Realm Makers. Maybe it's been hard. Uh, it's not always going to be a sense of wonder 24-7, but what a blessing it is when the wonder that God has put in the world and the wonder of his redemptive work in the gospel can bring us that feeling. I pray that you would not chase the feeling, but that you would chase Jesus. And as a surprise bonus, every once in a while, just feel your emotional spirits lift so that you can feel motivated to praise him as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth. 